Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Scott. Hey, yo. Is that his younger brother? It's gonna be Jeff. The cream rise to the top for you. And you're listening to all of the great action figures from our good friends at Hasbro. The fully postable. Have your own WrestleMania with all your favorite figures. Wrestling figure. He told separately from LJN. Podcast. And we are the Mount Rushmore of professional <laughs> wrestling. Hey, welcome to Telephone 6, everyone. This week, we are going to be sitting back and enjoying a fun conversation with two more fig lifers. It's funny, I keep forgetting which episode I'm on on Telephone because I'm so used to saying the episode number on the regular show. So I I sit back and I go, okay, wait, this is Telephone. I have to like do math in my head, which is no good, which is no good. So... Hope you guys are enjoying these. I'm going to keep pumping these out as we go along because we are sheltering in place till May 31st. So I've got a few more weeks of working from home. So we do have looser restrictions out here, though. We can play golf as long as it's by yourself. And we can play tennis as long as it's one-on-one. But at least they're loosening up their restrictions. Hopefully we don't go backwards and everybody follows the guidelines. But that means that more of these are going to be pumped out, and that means more episodes to come with talking to a bunch of fig lifers that want to come on and just share their stories, and that's what we love. I've told this a gazillion times. You guys are probably tired of hearing me say this, but oh well. So without further ado, why don't we call our first fig lifer? And also, guys, before we call our first fig lifer, you're going to be hearing the Skype noise. You're not going to hear your normal ringtone. We decided to try this on Skype, so let's see how this goes. So let's call our first fig lifer. Yo, Jeff, what's happening? How are you doing, man? I'm doing okay, man. How are you? I'm doing well. It's good to talk to you again. We met last year in New York at WrestleMania 35. New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, man. That was cool. You you spotted me right away. You pulled me aside and you're like, Jeff, what's up, man? And you were like, can we get a picture? You were like in a hurry because you want to get back to your seat and stuff. Oh, dude, it, well, it was, it's hard to miss you with the giant AWA-style sweatshirt. I think it was the red one. I don't know if it was the red one or the black one. It was basically the fully posable billboard that you are known to wear <laughs> everywhere you go. I might be a mark like for myself. Signal. I was like, oh, there he is. There he is. There's the guy. Freak. I was just all, you know, Mania weekend. Everybody's all hyped up, and everybody's super excited about everything going on. So it's like, ah, New Japan. Ah, Jeff, got to say, hey, what's up? Ah. <laughs> We were hoping you would make it out to the to the Fig Life meetup. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, I was also – I had made earlier uh, reservations to go to a different place in city to link up with some other folks because um, there's just so much going on. But uh, I don't know if I'm making it to Los Angeles, although we'll see what happens. Uh, the next East Coast mania for sure, East Coast-based one, I will definitely be in full effect – at the next uh, meetup because I want to be able to say what's up to everybody. Were you headed down to Tampa? No, I was not. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, I, I had I had friends that were. I, I mean, last year with it being in the New York, New Jersey area, I did six shows in four days, and none of them were uh, Titan Sports, aka Vince McMahon related. <laughs> um, so. Uh, 
and with that, with all the running around that I did last year, um, even with it being, you know, with about everything with about an hour drive from my house was still just like, I was, I remember Friday night being run down, uh, and then having to, you know, go to bed early because I knew that Saturday was going to be a crazy day with the trip into the city and then new Japan professional wrestling. I wanted to make sure I was on point for that. And then I, my buddies hosted a tailgate at MetLife stadium that I went up for and then left when everybody started going inside. So I actually did take the train back from MetLife Stadium, got to my car, drove home, and watched the show on the network later that night, which ended up being the move to make, hindsight being 2020. Yeah, seriously, man. Everybody has mentioned how horrible it was trying to get home from that show. Everybody's saying they were stuck outside for four hours. Uh, dude, no way, yeah, man. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So you're all troopers. <laughs> well, luckily, we we were planning on going, but we had looked at StubHub earlier in the day, and the tickets were like, even for the nosebleed, were still up in the two eighty three hundred bucks. And I'm like, no, I'm not in a yeah. pay. I'm not in a pay. I'm that. just not that kind of guy. Like, I'm not. I'm not sitting in an arena stadium to pay that to then see like a blocked view of really tiny wrestling when. <laughs> Uh, when, like I said earlier, like, uh, you know, I went to six events that were all non WWE affiliated across Mania weekend and, you know, was no less than 15 feet from the ring the whole time for a fraction of the price. And then afterwards got to actually talk to the dudes, say what's up. Thanks for an awesome match and buy a t-shirt or something. So like that's way more of an experience that I'm into as far as the mania weekend of things goes. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I could very easily travel to a Mania weekend and not do a single thing Titan Sports related. Which shows did you go uh, to? Let's see. Wednesday, uh, I went Wednesday night in Ridgefield Park, New Jersey. I went to a show called Pizza Party Wrestling. Uh-huh. Uh, that was main evented by Fred Yehai, who's done some stuff in Evolve. Mm-hmm. And he wrestled this uh, tremendously good technical wrestler who's on the come up uh, named Daniel Makabe. Mm-hmm. Um, he lives in Vancouver, Canada, but is a super excellent technical wrestler. He just done a lot of stuff for um, Three to One Battle in Seattle, as well as um, Without a Cause. The um, some independents in the Tennessee area who like um, the folks who run the Scenic City Invitational in Chattanooga, Tennessee. They've brought him in and. Um, the other fed down there sup graps they've brought makabe in to do some stuff so that was like a very hard-nosed technical wrestling match like uh makabe is a guy who i would love to see just be able to go with like a drew gulak right now or uh, um daniel bryan Mm -hmm. because they would have one of those crazy grappling matches (laughs) but like also on that show um what was it uh ophidian the king of snake style wrestled Shotzi Blackheart mm-hmm. and but it wasn't she wasn't Shotzi Blackheart she was her character known as Pizza Cat <laughs> uh, to go with the vibe of the show being called Pizza Party Wrestling mm-hmm. so um, that was fun uh, Thursday I went to the collective in Jersey City to see interspecies wrestling <laughs> that featured a uh, battle royal with a food fight and a four-way Lego death match. Um, that was a lot of fun. And then right immediately following after that, um, so that was like the 8 o'clock show, and then at the same venue, the midnight show, 
was presented by um, one of my favorite independent feds called Absolute Intense Wrestling. Mm-hmm. They're based out of Cleveland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know if any of the Ohio players are hearing me right now and the sound of my voice, uh, when all of the world gets to come back together to go check out an independent wrestling fed in Ohio, go support Absolute Intense Wrestling. They're an, a tremendous company. And uh, their shows are super, super fun. I've been following them for a long time. So that was the midnight show. That ended at like 3 a.m., drove an hour back to my house, and then did a quick turnaround the next day to leave in the morning, pick up my friend. We drove back to the same venue in Jersey City on Friday morning by noon for Chikara, mm-hmm. uh, which is super like um, – lucha based it's family friendly uh they run shows out of the northeast philadelphia area which is a, um, basically like an hour from uh driveway to driveway uh it's great that i have such really cool independent wrestling that's super close to where i live which is a lot of fun to pay attention to so, once so, all this stuff comes back but cesaro's so uh, wrestled for shikara numerous times yes yeah Chikara, cesaro is our boy uh, to this day, people still rep- uh, wear Cesaro t-shirts to the Wrestle Factory when they go to shows there. <laughs> um, you know, everybody's super stoked from Drew Gulak. He worked there for a very long time. Um, Gargano was actually in Chikara for a very long time with um, Chuck Taylor and Icarus. They were known as Fist. Uh, folks, it was like uh, it was fighters in similar tights. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> But so like I always so it's funny like um, looking at my detolf right now I have four shel- four shelves in a detolf and uh, my top one is themed of all of the independent guys who I've seen in small places that fit like 200 people and then went on to like you know headline NXT or headline big crazy shows or see them in all huge places so that was a lot of fun. Do you have zombies in that uh, detolf? No, I don't, but uh, <laughs> I will come Halloween time. Uh, they will go nuts. That was, yeah, I have to for any, catch everybody up. The uh, first time zombies came out, you and Scott filleted them as like the worst <laughs> figures on the planet. And I was like, no, here's why they're awesome. And uh, had to, the first, I remember like the first voicemail I sent in was way too long. It was like 10 minutes. I was like, there's no way they're going to air this whole thing on the show. I was like, <laughs> I got to cut this down and get in and get out. So, uh, but they just, I, I love those figures. Like they're just the, the detail and the deco and the, um, just how they came out. I think that they got better as they went along. Like the first series were kind of like, huh, what the, like what's going on? Like, these are a little bit weird. And then. They got a little bit cooler in the second series, and I think they absolutely killed Series 3. Every single one of those figures in Series 3 are outstanding, in my opinion. Series 3 was Nakamura, so, series three was Nakamura right? Yeah, it was Nakamura. It was Kane. It was um, Jeff Hardy. Uh, I want to say Matt Hardy was in there, too. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it, it was funny too because we always joked about how you were such a proponent for zombies, and Scott and I are like, "What are we missing?" And, and Scott, okay, so we got Kane, we got Kane with removable mask, uh-huh. and his upper body and his right arm are all bloody, and then the bloody flesh is chewed up in between his elbow and his glove. That's 
excellent, like super cool detail. And then the mask comes off. Mm-hmm. And when you take the mask off, his face is all burnt like Freddy Krueger's game. <laughs> so that's excellent. You have the Matt Hardy, who is the broken persona with the little blonde streak. Mm-hmm. And he has like his pants are chewed up at the bottom, which is always great. Like the guy's pants always have to be messed up at the bottom in a zombie movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. And his big feature is that his torso is cut out so that you can see like the spine and the spine is there, but the flesh on the lower part of the torso and the upper part of the legs is like chewed out and bloody as if somebody ate through like his core, which (laughs) is a cool feature that not many of those, um, they took the same kind of technology. They applied it to the Finn Balor, except that was the space between his, uh, shoulders and neck and his head with his spine being through there. Like, uh, the old, uh, the old Mortal Kombat fatality where you grab the guy by the neck and yanks his head out. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's like about to happen to Finn Balor. <laughs> and then you got Nakamura, you got Jeff Hardy, whose hands are chewed. Like you got the Jeff Hardy forearm armbands. Yep. Except his hands are all chewed up like bloody flesh zombified. And then you have the um, Charlotte Flair, who's the only one with the robe. Uh, and it has, she's got her hair is all crazy. She's got the weird warped looking peacock feathers on the back of her entrance jacket. A ton, like a ton of deco went into that figure making that Charlotte flair. Mm-hmm. So when they talk, when, when you guys get into like, Oh, it should be this kind of macho man or that kind of ultimate warrior or like the real deco heavy figures. Mm-hmm. And then Bill's like, Oh, we couldn't do that because of the deco, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, <laughs> no, but you spent the money on this. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> went deep on this on the deco for this so but i mean whatever it's what what we can do but uh yeah i, I really think, think those figures are the best like the mutants I, the mutants i think were the worst if i had to rank them mm-hmm. i'd make i'd say the mutants are worst although the the gordo block rock lesnar is a lot of fun <laughs> uh and the glow in the dark cody is funny too the glow in the dark stardust mm-hmm. um He'll he'll still get tweets about that figure to this day, and he replied to one of them. He was like, "Hey, whatever, glows in the dark. It's cool science fiction. It bought me a summer house. You know, like it's pretty much like, yeah, okay, fine. It's he's not wearing trunks and boots, but it bought me a summer house. It's pretty much like, okay, I guess he can stop making fun of me about this figure now. Well, the you know, we were we had to eat crow on the teenage mutant not teen not teenage mutant ninja turtles those were a different line the uh masters of the universe line i see they were just yeah they were just another gimmick line in our eyes but there was a lot of people a lot of people that were like gung-ho for this line and what's cool is a lot of people have gone into the stores and are like i i need to find this masters of the universe series it seems like it's steamrolling and picking up more steam as it's going along a lot of people are loving this line and we went on the show and having a mission because man we were wrong on that one yeah i mean the 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 deco this like i was age-wise just all of that was just nonsense right there i'm all <laughs> jacked up i'm out of my wawa pumpkin spice coffee in my uh, flyers <laughs> mug here that's our uh, energy talk discussion that's our energy drink session of the podcast but um <laughs> Uh, Age-wise, I'm right in between you and Scott. So when you guys get into some of the other figure stuff like Mask and G.I. Joe, He-Man and stuff, Mm -hmm. totally my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Um, So now I haven't collected 
He-Man stuff since I was a little kid. But when I saw that they started putting these out and I first saw the drawings of them, it hit me in the feels. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as I saw the mashup discussion, uh, the mashup drawings of series one before they even came out, they hit me right in the feels. And I was like, oh, these are really good and I can't wait to pick them up. So I have series one for this. Like I bought the ring with the Triple H and Cena the first time I saw it. I picked up the what came after that when you look as I'm looking at them I saw Balor first and every time I saw one in the store it was like the last one of that one mm-hmm. you know what I mean there, I walked into a store and saw like all of them on the pegs it was literally like there was one fig left and it was the one that I picked up that day so I had those two and then Balor and then I found a sting and then a friend of mine said, oh, they found a Triple H, but I thought didn't think you wanted it. I was like, what do you mean? I need that. And then I was having, I couldn't find a warrior. And everybody's favorite artist, Jason Wolf, uh, came through for me on Twitter. Like, oh, hey, I found the section of warriors. Anybody want it? I was like, PayPal ready right here, brother. Sent me, uh, he sent me a warrior. And then he also included a sweet um, 8 by 10 illustration of a warrior masters of the universe style because he did a lot of those sketches uh-huh. and apparently like showed them the Mattel and they were like, Oh yeah, that looks great. It's like, he kind of gave them the idea to run with it. Yep. So I don't know. He's a genius. But, uh, I tell you. Anyway, they, he's a really, really t- super good dude. Super talented artist. Mm-hmm. Jason Wolf. You guys all, you guys all know the deal. <laughs> so they came out really good. I mean, would I love to see another set of retros? Absolutely. Um, would I love to see them bring those back and do them in a better way so that they're successful for everyone, meaning the company retail and the collectors, of course. Um, but if this is what we're going to get with these uh, He-Man style figures, I think it's cool. I mean, I think the, the Mortal Kombat and the Street Fighter versions in that same scale that Funko puts out are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are cool. I mean, it's just good matchups. I mean, I haven't dug up my old He-Man guys to like put them next to these new mashups but that could be a good idea i love the ring the ring too it's like what i was saying about the the masters of the uh universe ring mm-hmm. it's the closest thing to a zombie ring or like a zombie playset that i <laughs> am ever gonna get no uh, actually so. going going back to the zombies what the one thing that i loved about them was triple h came with two torn quads i thought that was such yes. a great great touch and i think he didn't Cena have a torn peck as well? Uh, I believe so. Let me dial up the images for series one. I know Cena the monster, he was like silver. Uh-huh. The mutant, he was silver. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm looking at series two. Let me see if I can find series. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cena definitely had a torn peck. That's right. That's yeah, right. Peck, his peck is all chewed up and his right arm is all chewed up. That's right. I and again, those were two great little details that they added. Okay, you got me on that one. That was a great job. But the rest of the stuff, like we're gonna, we're not gonna see eye to eye on because the the whole zombie horror thing it just doesn't gravitate to me. In fact, you know what's funny is you mentioned Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi Mm -hmm. actually used to be on a local television show out here. And she would be like one of these girls that was on these like I don't know these like late night horror shows, and it was on a, a like a like a Sue Young or a um, yes 
uh, I forget the other one. Yeah, similar kind of character, right? The yeah. undead princess kind of thing. Yeah, but they would do these like cut in because it's the channel uh, out here. It's called Channel Twenty KOFY, and it's like some random TV station that you in the back in the day you can only get on the um, the with the antennas and stuff like that, right? <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, regular like local access TV. Exactly. Like, now is this even wrestling based or not wrestling based? Well, all? this wasn't. But then she makes her way over to a thing out here called Hood Slam. And Hood right. Familiar. You, oh, Hood Slam is out of control, dude. Like Hood Slam's yeah. on a whole different level. Yeah. But that's where she started wrestling. Then she moved on to All Pro Wrestling. Then she started getting booked elsewhere. And then next thing right. you know, you're like, Oh shit, she's on NXT. You're like, when did that happen? <laughs> like um she was her APW stuff was when I think I first started seeing her name and then she was doing a lot of I feel like she did some stuff for Shine, but I could be mistaken. But I know she was definitely one of those indie gals who was doing the road and mm-hmm. traveling and showing up in as many places as she could and stuff like that. Yep. And and I'm glad to see she's getting showcased on uh, NXT because I think she deserves it. She's awesome. She's, you know, she's such a sweetheart outside of the ring and then she's killing it on NXT. So you're like, cool. You know, you're happy for her. Yeah. I mean, she's super hardworking. And at the same time, she has a character. Like that's what they're kind of looking for in that, uh, you know, they want somebody who literally jumps off the television. Like, like Oscar does. Like when, when Oscar first showed up at SummerSlam, when it was like Ric Flair, Sergeant Slaughter and Oscar, like my Twitter blew up because I was familiar with her from when she did a weekend with Chikara in 2012. Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, Sarah Del Rey, who would become Sarah Amato head coach at NXT, um, Triple H basically said to Sarah, like, Hey, who is out there on the female uh, front that we could sign and bring in and could go right now. And she said, Kana, and that she became Asuka and the rest is history because, you know, she's the veteran, she can work super hard and she has a character that jumps off the screen. Like, you know, Shotzi Blackheart has a character that jumps off the screen. Like that's, you know, they, that's what they're looking for as far as people can go in the ring and also have something else to bring the sizzle with the steak, if you will, that <laughs> day. Now let's go back. You said you're between Scott and I's age, so you're about I'm gonna say 43. Yes, I will be. I'll be 43 in October. So, so you started collecting the LJNs, right? Yes, sir. And I went into my attic today, brought them down for this conversation. Oh, nice. Looked up looked up the series like the the range of the series and then laid out everybody that i have in order and took a picture so we'll be able to share that when this drops Um, nice i have so so many great memories of ljn stuff like uh so just getting into wrestling you know clearly kid of the 80s and being in north uh being in the northeast area new jersey we got new york television we got uh, Philadelphia television. I'm right in the middle of New Jersey near the shore. So we got, you know, I got AWA and world class on ESPN after school, um, mm-hmm. six Oh five Saturday night, uh, NWA on T on the Superstation. Yep. Unless there was a Braves game and I was really mad. <laughs> uh, that's, 
that's what you're supposed to say when you reference that TV show now. Like when you talk about it and you watched it, it was real when like Braves baseball was in the sixth inning and you were like, come on. Yep. I need to see what's happening. I need to see the new breed this week. (laughs) Yep. And that's funny too, uh, because you would start to kind of figure out where they were in the ball game. So you're like, okay, supposed to out here, it started at three Oh five. So you're looking at the time and you're like, Okay, they're in the eighth inning and it's two thirty. If they can just hurry up and not at the batter not step out and just they quick pitch every single pitch, we can get to the three oh five you know, the start right. time, you know. We can make it. We can make it. Right, right. The worst would be like when we join the program in progress. That means like you miss the first twenty minutes and you're never gonna see it again. Yep, yep. So, <laughs> until they create this thing called the internet that you have no idea about because you're, you know, it's seven years old and it's 1986 <laughs> or or the network where you can just go back and watch it now right it's bizarre <laughs> so did you start out with series one with hogan snooka stud bundy yes you said it right there my first uh my first two figures right there were hogan and snooka and i remember bringing them in my lunchbox to like middle or uh, elementary school mm-hmm. and like you know i you know, we eat lunch or whatever, and then they would they would battle, and uh, I would always because Hogan always won on TV. I would always have Snooka win in my fig fed. Um, was it because you didn't like Hogan? Like, it's just not just because I didn't like Hogan. No, I was definitely a little Hulkamaniac, but it was just like I want to do something different okay. from what always happens on TV, which was Hogan must pose, brother. Did you ever lose him or anything when you took him to school? No. Okay. No, I, well, I didn't always take like a ton of them to school. I just remember taking those two and they would always, they would always come home with me. But, uh, you know, I remember getting a few at a time and then it would be like, you know, one, you know, a little while. And then I remember my local church would have a flea market in the summertime. And I remember being young and going over, like I saw a guy at this table had a bunch of LJN figures Everybody get ready to sit down and take it in. He was selling all these LJNs for $1 a piece. Were they pristine? So I literally ran literally ran back to wherever our setup was, got my wallet, and then sprinted back over to the dude, handed him like 12 bucks, and walked away with an arm load of figures, which was, I know, at least like Paul Orndorff, because I'm looking at him. Mm-hmm. Macho Man, Randy, uh, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Jimmy Hart, Captain Lou, Bobby <laughs> Heenan. You know what I mean? Like I, I remember like getting all of those dudes in that like one fell swoop. Oh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Beefcake. Like the question you always ask, like who was the guy that you put over in your fig fed yep. all the time? Yep. Greg the Hammer Valentine was like my A number one dude. Because of the because pose? Of the pose. Yep. The pose, the look from throwing punches to dropping elbows to doing uh, uh, drop kicks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, Greg the Hammer Valentine was a top guy in my figure fed for sure. Now, did you get the ring and the cage accessory too? No, I never had the ring. Uh, until later on when I got the Jack's classic monster ring, which is like the same scale, apparently. Yes, it is. Okay, cool. So that didn't come later. That's, that's second generation. We'll get into that, but no, I never had the original ring back in the day. So I had to get creative with 
how I would have these uh, have the matches and stuff. So I sort of uh, what I would do would be you take the classic um, the laundry basket, like I had a rectangle laundry basket, mm-hmm. you flip that over, instant steel cage. <laughs> so that was a part of it, and then. I also would take sometimes on on uh, other days I had I basically was like a tower of tower of doom but reverse mm-hmm. in that say there was like this big chair in my living room that had like taller armrests and a footrest that was like a second piece of furniture right mm-hmm. so dudes would start in the seat part of the chair and then they would get tossed down to the next level which would be the footrest. And then they would battle on the footrest, and then they would get tossed into the upside down laundry basket cage, <laughs> and they have to escape the cage in order to win the match. So it was like the tr- the Tower of Doom in reverse, but they had to <laughs> start up top and then work their way down. That is uh, awesome, man. My good my good friend growing up uh, elementary school through college, my good friend Brian, and his little brother. Uh, we were all super into wrestling and we were all also he they were also collecting the LJNs as well and like they had guys that I never had like um Ken Patera, Bam Bam Bigelow, Don Morocco, Bossman, Haku, like some of the like the later black card guys. I never got any of the black cards. You never saw you I never saw them, right? No, I never saw them. I never saw them in stores. I never saw them anywhere. In fact, um, the last series I ever saw in stores was Series 5. And um, I was very, very lucky as a kid in that uh, my parents, we would always go on vacation every summer. We did a lot of camping. Mm -hmm. Um, We would, like, tow a camper behind us and go to campgrounds and travel across the country. Mm -hmm. And we've been into Canada a few times. You know, done a lot of great stuff, and I'm totally blessed to have seen that much of the world at such a young age. Uh, and, you know, most of the time I'd be in the back with a Walkman and reading uh, an Aftermag. So, <laughs> Aftermag, take a shot. So, anyway. Uh, so, uh, I remember, I think we were we were in Canada, and I we went to, it was either like a, like a, a, a Woolworth or a McCrory or some like weird hardware store or something and i come around the toy aisle and i see they have all of the series five and it's like i'm seeing hacksaw i'm seeing adrian adonis i'm seeing um you know ken patera mm-hmm. all these dudes or let's see dudes in five bam bam bigelow hacksaw million dollar uh, man demolition acts like million dollar man i remember seeing them and like my eyes lit up and i was like I've never seen any of these before anywhere. And my mom was like, you can only get one. And that one was one man gang. Oh, (laughs) that was the dude I went with because, uh, I remembered him from the NWA stuff as much as I knew him from the WWF stuff. Gotcha. So So, one man gang, my guy, did you ever go back and collect any of the other ones like hacksaw? No, never gone back. I've only been tempted to get like the Haku. And one time he showed up, there's a great place locally. Um, it's called Funkenstein's Wrestling Superstore uh, at the English Town Flea Market. Anybody in the state of New Jersey should uh, check that place out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he will get in a wave of LJNs, but it's mostly the common ones. Um, but when he gets in any of the black cards, they disappear immediately. Like before he can even post the photo or list them on eBay, people are like, claim, like, give me that. Give me that. You know, give me that Adrian Adonis. Um, Went, yeah, I haven't gone back and uh, grabbed any of the new LJM ones. And part of me, like, kind of doesn't want to. Like, it would be cool to have them, I guess. But, like, because I have them all loose and, like, knowing this was my childhood collection of, like, these are the, like, my Bruno San Martino's totally beat up. And, like, oh, Ted RCD was another guy that I pushed to the moon. Like, as a little kid, I totally did not understand why Ted RCD wasn't, like, a bigger part of the show and, like, a more used kind of guy like he was another figure that i pushed to the top of my fed well no reason he was jacked to the gills man and you thought for sure he jacked to the gills you thought for sure he had that look to you know be the next hogan or something like that or at least claim the ic title the next anything he was just like this huge dude and he did that big bench press thing where he could bench press 702 pounds yep uh you know i guess what is that feud with dino bravo yeah like that was a whole thing, but like, yeah, he was another guy I pushed super far. And I also loved hearing uh, you talk about your joy for Kamala from mm. a couple episodes ago. Yep. Go Kamala ahead. to me literally summarizes the magic of professional wrestling for little boy Kenny. Like, <laughs> just, just the over the top, the face paint, and the 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 the, ch- the chanting or the yelling or whatever, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the idea that he was just this fierce savage beast who just did like chops and kicks and bites and had to have two handlers not just one like this guy you you knew this guy was really out of control because he had two handlers and not one (laughs) i still remember the first time we ever saw him at the oakland coliseum and he was facing hogan that night and he scared the crap out of me but like once hogan won and kamala left the ring Everything was great, man. That's all I needed to see. I was like, okay, Hogan Hogan pinned his shoulders to the mat, one, two, three. <laughs> but legitimately, I'm sitting at my seat. I'm like, this guy scares me. Yeah, I mean, he was just such, I was just enamored with the character. And like still to this day, like I picked up the FTC version of Kamala, mm-hmm. the um, back, the Marvel flashback elite that, that came out a few years ago, Kamala. Mm-hmm. That's one I bought. I purchased two Marvel Legends through that time of marjolette uh, was that like 2010 2011 uh the two the first ones you know what i mean yeah that yeah, time. yeah yeah you mean the mattel legends the mattel legends yes not the marvel legends my bad <laughs> um, we got another toy line on your mind man <laughs> no idea man no idea where that one came from <laughs> came from my pumpkin spice coffee all jacked up here <laughs> um, but uh yeah the two that i had purchased was the kamala and the ricky steamboat and then I eventually traded the Ricky Steamboat for the Bam Bam Bigelow that sits in a figure defender on my wall to this day. Oh, you got it carded, huh? Yes. It was, I mean, because I had still, I had the Kamala carded and I had the Ricky, the Ricky Steamboat carded. And I wasn't going to get rid of the Kamala. And I saw uh, this same thing was at Funkenstein. And uh, he had Bam Bam up there and he had it was like 50 bucks. And I was like, oh. I don't know if I can do that. Oh. Like, but let me see if I can pitch a trade. And I was like, hey, I have a mint on card Ricky Steamboat. Would you be willing to trade for the Bam Bam? And he said yes. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so, uh, I put that on my wall. 
and that's uh and that's best because i mean that rich steamboat is a great figure mm-hmm. um i'm happy to have this uh 1995 flame jacket and gauntlets uh carded legend and i like that you know the two of my favorites bam bam and kamala are like the only two that i have in that series although the kevin von eric would be pretty sweet oh man so you were able to trade for uh kamala or you were trading uh, sorry bam bam huh yeah, I traded for the Bam Bam. I traded the Ricky Steamboat for the Bam Bam, and I have the Kamala and the Bam Bam to this day. Well done. My two, my two legends. Well done, man. That's awesome that you were able to do that. How were the prices over with that gentleman over at, uh, what you say, Funkenstein's? Funkenstein, yeah. Funkenstein Wrestling Superstore. I think you like them on Facebook. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sounds familiar. Their Facebook page. But um, yeah, there it's... um. You know, it's like they're inside of a building in a swap meet type of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, they have three different stores. It's I'd say eighty-five percent wrestling figures and memorabilia, and then they have some other like pops and some horror stuff and some other like uh, comic book things and other stuff like that. They also do a bunch of uh, retro video games as well, but uh, definitely fair, definitely honest. Uh, good folks. I've brought in stuff for trade and he's given great value on trade for either cash or store credit. So highly recommended. So I picked up a few, uh, gone back and got, picked up a few bone crunchers there as well as some other ruthless aggression stuff. And they've got all kinds of things. So, so do you remember your first house show? Was it around that time of 85, 86, 87? No, I wish. Uh, I never went as a young person to a live wrestling event. My, I would say uh, the first show that I went to was after we had gotten. Uh, so it was like we did the whole, I did the whole LJN era growing up, and never saw Series Six. And then when the Hasbro's came out, it was like at a perfect time for me to like not be into figures anymore. In that. I had this whole collection and now the new ones are literally a third the size in plastic. Mm-hmm. So I can't have matches with them. And I was at the age where I was kind of not into figures so much. So I sort of missed out on the entire Hasbro thing when it happened. Um, I still look back at those figures now and I say that they're cool. I just don't have the nostalgia towards those at that time that most people do. Where my joy, my level of that nostalgia comes into was the first wave of bone crunchers. And when that started, then it was back on and it was back on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> so what so, so what made you got, get into the bone crunchers? Like what made you fall in love with those? I had just, I guess, gotten back into heavily watching after Mania 12. Okay. Uh, which is really weird because I'm a Bret Hart guy. <laughs> and uh, so like you know we got me and my me and my buddy brian you know who at the aforementioned dude we're still growing up friends watching wrestling we were always big bret hart guys and so we watched mania 12 and we were like wow it's over like we got to deal with this guy and his chaps every month <laughs> now Okay, <laughs> and we would literally just buy in your houses to root for like the British Bulldog or Vader or like whoever he was going up against. I still remember being at my friend Jim's house. There were five of us watching Survivor Series '96. Mm-hmm. Sid hit, took the camera and smashed Jose Lothario, and then he hit the power bomb, and that three count went down, and we all 
lost it and we're like yeah it's over <laughs> finally it's over <laughs> well we were so psyched michael's lost that match at least you weren't at wrestlemania 12 dude i was i literally turned around right as michael's hit that final super kick because i was too busy yelling sure. at gorilla monsoon man and dude that ruined hey. my whole trip home because it's about five hours about five six hours away anaheim is that ruined my whole trip home, dude. And then I was like sitting there stewing about it. <laughs> All the respect in the world to Gorilla Monsoon. Yes. He deserved every single word of bad mouth that you put on him on that day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't mean it. I was some punk kid, you know, but I know what you mean about the Survivor Series because I was tired of Michael's kind of carrying the belt. I was hoping Vader would win at SummerSlam. Survivor Series, I was really rooting for Sid, even though I wasn't a big Sid guy. I was like, I'm just tired. We were all just, the whole Madison. We were all just a bunch of Shawn Michaels haters. Yeah, the Madison Square. We were, Shawn, we were straight up Shawn Michaels haters. <laughs> <laughs> the Madison Square Garden crowd was actually anti Shawn too that night. They, they that was an actual partisan crowd. Like when they because they had he had he had the girls. Like when he does the move and you hear the high pitched screeches, he had the girls. Mm -hmm. But you know, the vocal male fan base and the hard nosed New York audience was. <laughs> <laughs> made their made their made their noise saying uh made their views of vocals heard but uh the first the first live event that i ever saw was in 1996 at the philadelphia spectrum the night before the curtain call oh so i saw the same show that happened at madison square garden that day Except they didn't do the curtain call at the show that I did because they still had to do the garden. Oh, so what was the main event? Okay. Starting from the bottom to the top. Oh, you've got the match yeah. card. Yes, I actually do. I found, I, funny enough, I found the program that I purchased that day and they used to put in like a slip of paper uh -huh. that would have the actual card on it. Oh, read them off. We, we have the body Donna, Skip and Zip with Sonny defeating the Godwins and retaining the World Wrestling Federation Championships. Mm -hmm. uh, Ahmed Johnson defeated the British Bulldog. Uh, the ringmaster, Steve <laughs> Austin, with Ted DiBiase, defeated Jake the Snake Roberts. Mm -hmm. Yokozuna lost to uh, Vader with Jim Cornette. Young upstart out of Greenwich, Connecticut, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, pedigreed Razor Ramon in the center of the ring, beat him clean as a whistle. <sighs> and the only shirt at the merch table was that uh, white and yellow full face retro Razor Ramon shirt that they just re-released a while ago. Yep. I remember going to every, I was going to every merch stand around the circle of the spectrum looking for Bret Hart stuff. And that was literally the only shirt for sale was that Razor Ramon shirt, That's... knowing that like he was going to be gone in, you know, three days. <laughs> That's crazy, man. That was the only shirt they sold. Yeah, it was one of them. Yeah, it was. I remember it being that. I remember being the Razor Ramon shirt and like the Shawn Michaels hat and heart shaped glasses and earring set. Yeah. Remember those? Remember <laughs> those specifically? I, yeah, I thought, just a sidebar real quick. Did you ever read uh, Mick Foley's first book? Yeah, sure uh, did. Have a nice day. Yep. So in that book, I highly recommend anybody who hasn't read it to read it, or if you haven't read it for a long time, give it a reread. Um, not only does he have some great continental stories, he goes into a bunch of UWF 
uh, with the Herb Abrams thing, which mm-hmm. is coming up on Dark Side of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about working for that guy, which is crazy. Yep. But he also ta- tells a lot of great stories about Owen Hart. Yep. And how Owen Hart on house shows would have bad matches just to pop the boys. <laughs> yep. I was reading Foley's book in 1998 when it came out when he talked about that with Owen Hart liking to have bad matches at house shows. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that I saw one of those matches when Owen Hart took on the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Owen Hart comes out, big boos, everybody booing, uh, and then Warrior comes out, everybody goes nuts, and Owen's like, this guy's a joke, whatever. <laughs> uh, close, Warrior you know, hits the ropes, runs back and forth, Owen's standing there, takes one clothesline, falls over, gets back up, takes a second clothesline from Warrior, gets back up, takes a third clothesline from Warrior, and then on the fourth one, Warrior does the flying shoulder block, Mm -hmm. and Owen Hart, instead of taking a normal bump, Owen fell over as slow as he possibly could, (laughs) like a big redwood tree. (laughs) And then Warrior covered him, three count, and the match was over in 15 seconds. Uh, so it was and like, was it, like it was like Warriors match at WrestleMania 12. Pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. Except Owen didn't have to, uh, you know, eat the press lamb or whatever. Like there was like that. It was, it was funny because I remember watching it and seeing Owen sell that sell that shoulder block super weird. Mm-hmm. And then he just the match just ended, and I was like, no press lamb, no <laughs> splash, no, no nothing. Like that was it okay and like that's what i thought at the time and then years later going back and reading foley's book how owen would have bad matches to pop the boys and no one would notice i was like holy crap he got me <laughs> so like a great little own story right there and then the main event as you uh said earlier was a was a steel cage match <laughs> between uh the champion Shawn michaels versus diesel and uh, we brought, we were like sixth row, and we brought a big long, you know, it being 1996, we had the computer paper with the dots. Yep. Uh, and we made a big long banner that said, like, Bret Hart is still WWF champion. <laughs> and Shawn Michaels climbs the cage, like, in the corner where we were, held the winged eagle and just waved it back and forth in front of our faces like <laughs> laughing at us that is awesome and we're just yelling and we're booing and we're you know 17 <laughs> 18 years old just like going nuts yelling at Shawn michaels losing and then um he was in that was when they had the in your house program with the british bulldog going on mm-hmm. so at one point during the match michaels was gonna escape the cage and bulldog ran down in jeans climbed up the cage and they fought to, to knock Sean back into the cage. Um, and then later on, you know, Michael's of course, super kick win, whatever. Yeah. It, it's funny. You mentioned, uh, it, it's funny. You mentioned that Owen thing, dude. So we were at a San Jose house show and that night it was Mick Foley against Owen Hart. And this is in Mick's second book. I think he talks about this, but Mick and Owen are facing each other in a hardcore match. Owen goes under the ring, grabs a garbage bag, pulls it out, and yeah. it's a bag of popcorn. He, thro- he throws it in the ring. And you can read this in Foley's. I, I, 
don't quote me on this, but I think it's in a second no, book. No, I remember the story. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so good. Oh, dude, it was terrific. Foley gets the bag of popcorn, smacks Owen with it. Owen sells it like he had just been shot by a gun, dude. Like, yep. he, he was, like, crippled <laughs> by this bag of popcorn. I asked Foley about that at Wrestle Reunion uh, 2012. The, oh, nice. The funny thing is, is Foley is signing my figure because I, I had him sign the Jack's classic LJN style figure. As, oh, that's so good. I, know, I, I, I love that whole series. As a sidebar, the rubber style. We'll talk oh, about it in a minute. Oh, I loved it, man. But he's signing the figure, and I asked him about that night. I was like, dude, I was there. We're like, talk about it. So behind me was a long line for Foley, right? So Foley right. starts telling the story of that match. As I start to look up and around me, everybody that was behind me in a straight line kind of flopped around the table to listen to Foley tell yeah. this story of his of oh, that match so against Owen. It was fantastic, man. I I so loved good. it because he was he kept talking about it. He was like two or three minutes into this story. I look around and everybody's flopped around because they want to hear the story that Foley's telling about that house show match. I mean, that's that's the best. Like that's even nowadays, like I if we're, were to go to uh, an event promoted by Titan Sports, it would be a, a house show where the guys can be loose and they can mess around and they can have fun and they can do stuff that's unique to that particular show. Yep. It's not like a cut and paste, you know, here's 15 minutes of advertisement in between a six minute wrestling match, quote unquote <laughs> wrestling match. You know what I mean? Those, those house show stories are like some of the best things that like I personally get out of, you know, being a fan now to this day. And that's a common thing with Foley. Like when Foley does appearances out here, um, the same type of thing will happen where somebody will ask a question and then just, he just tells, he goes off and just tells stories and people will bend around and listen and they just want to hear Foley, you know, just hold court because he's such a great storyteller and he's such a great dude. I, I find it interesting yeah. that you say, a show put on by Titan Sports instead of saying WWE. I find that interesting. Uh, hey, cause it's it's just the joke for the folks who get us. You know <laughs> okay. I mean? Like it's, it's you know the, the you know look it up, kids. Back in my day, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like that's that's all this is. You know, it's a whole nostalgia thing. It's like if you under if you get it, you get it, and you smile. And if you don't, <laughs> just you know you'll understand later. What were you gonna? But, say? Yeah, I mean we'll always say that. Like when they say uh, like. They used to call it the Fed, and mm-hmm. now like I'll call it the Ent <laughs> instead of the Fed, which is funny. Or like you know, we'll, you know, I'll still talk with my friend, like my friend Bill. We'll we'll just talk in like Tracy Smothers, like man, he sold it out when he worked for Fritz back in '86. You know, <laughs> that's how we love to uh, you know goof around and stuff. What was it about the BCAs that you had that nostalgia feel over? Was it just because you had been out of wrestling for so long and these were the first figures to bring you back? 100%. And like I have the story that many people do where they just went to a Toys R Us one day random and they were just there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, whoa, new wrestling figures. And that was like I had just gotten back into it. I was watching Raw all the time, tape and Nitro and Fast and Forward and through stuff and like just got back into it. So like – you know, that first series of Bone Crunchers, I could tell you that is the only um, Shawn Michaels figure that I own. <laughs> and not because it's any good, it's because I needed somebody to lose to Brett and uh, <laughs> the Taker. 
And uh, who else was in that first set? Uh, Razor. Yeah, he needed to lose a Razor too. Yeah. Uh, Nash Diesel. Yep. Diesel. I needed a job guy. <laughs> why I, need, uh, I had to bring in HBK. You need carpenters, you know. You need carpenters to build a house. <laughs> so Sean was eating the pins every night, huh? Eating pins all night. He's either eating the pin or he wasn't booked. <laughs> that is great. So that was the only Sean you purchased, huh? Only Sean I've ever purchased ever. In fact, I had I had the uh, when uh, the he when he dressed up as Hogan and I kept it uh, mint on card for a while and then he was part of one of my purges when I got rid of a lot of stuff. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, that was yeah, that to this day that is the only uh, only Shawn Michaels figure that I still own to this day. Those are the only two the two that I ever purchased were the BCA and the Hogan, and I sold the Hogan one. So you didn't get the LJN Jacks Classic one, right? No, no, uh. he won't exist. He, <laughs> in fact, the only ones that I need to complete that are the Triple H and the Austin. And then that uh, series is complete as far as I'm concerned. Gotcha, gotcha. So, you'll like you'll like this one. Um, the recently released battle pack for Mania with um, Rey Mysterio in black and Randy Orton when Rey Mysterio won the World Heavyweight title in a triple threat with Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. That is the first uh, Mattel scale Randy Orton that I own. And I do not own a Jax ruthless aggression of it so that was the first ever randy orton figure that went into my fit fed so is it because you don't is it is it you don't like orton or is it just you just don't have any randy orton figures i just don't have a need for randy orton in my fig fed (laughs) (laughs) like like there's just i got way too many dudes to book in matches that aren't randy orton so i'm (laughs) Uh, to me, I feel like he's had two good matches in his entire career. One of them against Mick Foley at Backlash in 2004, and the other one, like 15 years later, against the returning Rey Mysterio, because Rey Mysterio doesn't have bad matches. <laughs> so you didn't like that? At me, at Armbar Figs, come get me. <laughs> so Rey you... Mysterio doesn't have bad matches. At Armbar Figs, come get it. So you didn't like the Randy Orton uh, Taker match at 21, huh? Eh. <laughs> I mean, not. Uh, I'd have to go back and watch it now, but I mean, not uh, not my style of content. Okay, okay. He's not for everybody. <laughs> not for everybody. So, so it, I just feel like when he just works, he just works like super slow and super like I, I don't know. He just the way he telegraphs and stuff. I don't know. Everybody says he's great. I'll take their word for it. I don't see it, but that's just me um, and only me, apparently. <laughs> so, were you collecting the Jacks classics too? Oh yeah, yeah, it was all about him. And in fact, I'm actually that's my my second shelf in my detolf if we're working our way up. I have the 90 I have like 1997 bone crunchers in the bottom on the bottom shelf with the foundation up front with Owen in the middle and two slammies on each of his like near his feet. So it's like Brett Bulldog, Owen Hillman and then another Brett which is cool and then the second series is the Jack's classic of my like NWA slash Crockett slash Nitro era mm-hmm. so you got Road Warrior Hawk Rick Steiner Nikita Koloff Bobby Eaton Barry Windham oh. uh, Tully Blanchard I don't have an Arn Anderson if anybody's out there with an Arn Anderson mint Jack's classic get at me because um, that was a hole in my collection that I don't have that needs to be fixed 
And then, um, remember, I remember when Ric Flair would come out on his famous Nitro stuff and talk about how he'd be an old guy and he'd be like, Harley Race, Terror Funk, Versa Brody. I put all three of those guys next to each other, next to JJ Dillon, the new build, the build the JJ, and then the Flair classic in the red robe. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you're. And sp- then in front of that, I got the uh the dress the the flare in a suit with the with the purple glasses that recently came out mm-hmm. or maybe he didn't have purple glasses that might have been a modify and then that really awful cactus jack because oh. i think it's funny to have um cactus jack next to rick flare and a detolf <laughs> so you're hitting our senses with that 87 crockett era man that's that is our era man we we adore that era of that Crockett time. Just so great. Yeah. Like we just, I, I know we already talked about the TBS Superstation shows, but man, the job guys would just get their asses beat by the road sure. warriors and they made them look larger than life. And then a clash of champions would happen where wrestlers that would be facing each other on a pay-per-view were actually facing each other on a clash of champions. You're like, oh man, I'm getting this for free. Oh, dude, like you right, felt you felt right. special. Yeah, and that's exactly why they had to phase Clash of the Champions out because when the business started changing to more pay-per-views, the people in charge of WCW were like, hey, why do you got all these hot matches on this free show? We need to start phasing these out and move these hot matches to pay-per-view because we need to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a reason literally why Clash of the Champions stopped happening. But yeah, I mean, I just just from hearing you talk about your love from all of that stuff that you've been watching over the past couple weeks, like mm-hmm. I went back and did the same thing. Like I dialed up a bunch of uh, a bunch of 88 stuff. I found the exact show where Dusty got spiked. Yep. And I remember watching that show live when it happened, like at my aunt's house you know they're all like my mom and you know my mom and my family are all having visiting time after dinner mm-hmm. and i'm literally like three feet away from the superstation going oh my god <laughs> what is going on? and like when you go back and watch it now you can totally see like dusty's got the the the, the gig in his hand and you yep. can see when he does it and they don't really shoot it that well and she's like oh that's where he did it that's where he <laughs> dropped the blade that's where like you know you can see where it all goes down but crazy and just hearing your love for that stuff i literally have right now a here's a match for you the new breed chris champion and sean royal super underrated tag team any independent wrestler listening to this right now if you're in a tag team stop what you're doing and rip everything the new breed did off in 2020 or 2021 Mm -hmm. or 2028 whenever we can get back to having wrestling shows (laughs) somebody out there needs to reprise the new breed and literally do exactly what they did and it would be box office billions oh um, i know i so know I a match from <laughs> from may may 2nd 1987 you have the new breed versus bob armstrong and brad armstrong and you know it's gonna be a hot one Ooh. Ooh. Lasertron is on this show <laughs> Nikita Koloff is on the show. You had me at Lasertron. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's so good. Here we go. The Russians versus Jeff Sampson and Cougar J. Cougar J, such an underrated job guy. Cougar J is actually on a lot of these uh, matches right now that I was watching. Lot, very underrated job guy. Same with Italian Stallion. He would make a guy look great, and then he would get some bit of off- Yep, he would get some bit of offense in, and then. He would just get smashed after that, but he was a great job guy. 
Sure. And then later on, he was like the headliner on every Jersey independent show that ever happened ever. <laughs> um, it would be either like it would be Italian Stallion, Nikolai Volkov, Jimmy Snuka or the Metal Maniac. It'd be any one of those four guys against each other in your main event um, was on like every Jersey, New Jersey independent ever. <laughs> <laughs> Super funny. But like, oh, uh, yeah, all that all that just going back and watching that studio stuff. It's got that that feeling, you know, you just you get that nostalgia watching the stuff. And it's a little funny. That's even led me to go back and watch. Uh, here's a guy who didn't get enough figs or doesn't get enough figure love. It's Too Cold Scorpio, a.k.a. Flash Funk. Yep. Uh, I got a whole playlist of his, like, 93 WCW stuff going on, and that's hot. <laughs> he has job matches where it's like he does a couple of moves, and then after five minutes he hits the 450, and that's it. Like, he's literally had – I've watched him have, like, the same match with six different job guys where it's six minutes, 450 – He's going to dance at the beginning. He's going to hit the 450. He's going to dance at the end. And he's too cold Scorpio, baby. <laughs> and he had a uh, underrated Jax BCA figure. Yep. It's tremendous. Flash it, Funk, man. It, I just, I, I would love for an elite Flash Funk would be so good. Oh, if they could. I wish that, like, I love that Jax could just be Wild West and just cut deals with whoever they wanted and make figs of people. I like know. Like Tank Abbott or Bad News Brown or Zeus. <laughs> you know, all underrated Jax classics, in my opinion. Much, much agreed. The Bruiser Brody was fantastic yeah. as well. Oh, the Bruiser Brody's great. It's the, the fuzzy boots and the weird chain that it came with. Like, yep. So good. There's <laughs> so many gems in that. Like, nowadays they would never be able to do like you know mattel could never cut loose and be like hey we need to put out an elite flashback flash flunk you know that would just so never happen yeah but we got razor ramon for the 15th time <laughs> well kenny i better get going man i gotta call another fig lifer but man thank you for coming on i could i could sit here and talk to you for about another two hours yeah man easily thank you so much this whole thing flew and like i just gotta say uh the innovators in sports and entertainment podcast <laughs> entertainment uh you guys total innovators love it been around for a long time reason why i even created the armbar figs twitter in the first place is your show so that i'd be able to link up with more fig lifers out there and uh we'll always give you guys the credit flipped out when i saw toys that made us i thought that was awesome thanks and, man uh, we'll continue to be listening on a regular basis and really really stoked to be a part of this whole thing kenny you have a wonderful night i'll be texting you man please do cool take care jeff thanks again. Peace. all right thanks man i want to thank kenny for coming on he is hilarious and it was so good meeting him in madison square garden at New Japan Pro Wrestling slash Ring of Honor show. But we must get our next Fig Lifer on. Hello? Is this Jobbin' with Josh? This is Josh. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? It's going well. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, doing great, or at least as well as we can be during these times. What have you been up to? Oh, I've still been working pretty much full-time. Um, I work manufacturing, so that hasn't shut down. But um, just this past week, actually, my wife and I kind of both got a little bit sick, and now we're being told to stay home for two weeks. So, um, yeah, dealing with that, but that's about it. Are you okay? Yeah, doing okay. I mean, we've both 
had my wife developed first it's just kind of a cough and a, a lot of fatigue um, and then some headaches she's starting to feel a little bit better today and I'm just starting to get into the fatigue part of it now so it, it is what it is we're just kind of going along they won't test us here yet in Iowa we don't fit the criteria apparently so um, yeah we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants oh okay so have you experienced any headaches or sweats or chills or anything like that we haven't had any sweats or chills or fevers. Um, we've both had some headache stuff that's mostly been with the cough, though. So um, we don't know if it's just because we've been coughing so much. So it's really hard to tell, obviously, but because they won't test us, we can't be sure. Oh, well, that gives you more time to watch wrestling, I'll tell you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Got to look at the bright side of life. It, absolutely. What have you been watching? You know, a lot of what I've been watching has been um, stuff that I've been watching for my the own uh, the podcast that I do. Um, I did a watch along the other day with a, a local independent wrestler that was all luchador stuff. So we were watching WCW, um, Rey Mysterio versus Ultimo Dragon. There was a six man tag in there, um, stuff like that. Really is what I've been watching. Then keeping up with NXT. I'm a big NXT guy, so mm -hmm. that's a lot of what I've been watching lately. Oh, okay. Uh, that's cool that you did the watch along with the independent wrestler. It's so great watching matches where they can dissect the matches. You know, they can tell you why they did this one spot or why they put this there and, you know, just stuff like that. I love, I love hearing that. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a, he's a big, uh, Lucha Libre and influenced person or as far as his wrestling goes too. So he really knows, I mean, he's a diehard AAA fan, the whole nine yards. So he really knows his lucha stuff, so it was a lot of fun to talk to him about that. That's awesome, man. So, uh, what else have you been doing during this quarantine? And just stuff with my kids. I've got two sons, a five-year-old and a one-year-old, so uh, they keep us busy. That's for sure. And then a lot of, uh, and maybe too much, but a lot of uh, purchasing online. That's been a big deal. <laughs> so, is the five-year-old into wrestling? Kinda, sorta. Um, he likes going to live shows with me. I'll go to the local independent here, uh, about an hour away from us when they had shows once a month, and he would love to come along and take pictures with the wrestlers. Actually, I, I sent audio about it once to the show. He's the one that likes to get the eight by tens of them with him and then get them to sign them. So that's um, right. That's right. That yeah, was he loves, you. <laughs> he likes that. So that's cool, man. And they they love taking the pictures with him, right? Oh, yeah, and their faces light up when he brings the pictures up to them to have them sign it. They, <laughs> they absolutely love that. It's great. Oh, that's cool. So what are some good experiences you've had getting autographs or meeting a wrestler? Man, I've got a few of them. So the first thing that I, that I got autographed as far as a figure goes would have been last year. Uh, or no, I take that back two years ago now. In October, uh, I got a Rich Swan Elite signed, uh, obviously, by Rich. Uh, at an event down in Des Moines, Iowa. So got to go see him there, and he signed it actually after the show. He had just finished up. There was this big, like, six-man tag, cage, death match kind of thing going on, and he was beat all the crap. I mean, he was tired. He came out, though, and he signed it without even saying anything, you know, asking for money or anything, um, which was really cool. So that was neat. And I I got a chance to meet uh, Honky Tonk Man and get his Retro Fest signed. Oh, did and you? He was really cool. Yeah, he was really cool about it. He um he looked at the figure before signing it really closely, 
talked about how great the figure was. And then he made kind of a cryptic joke. He looked at it. He's like, you better hold on to it because it's going to be worth something soon. It's like, whoa, dude, you're, you're not going anywhere yet. And let's not talk like that. <laughs> yeah, we don't want Honky to go, man. No, definitely not. But before I got into figures, I was big into uh, getting 8x10s. And uh, I've got a chance to meet a lot of like older territorial wrestlers uh, like Stan Hansen, Larry the Axe Hennig before he passed, and uh, Dan Severn. It, just a lot of cool stuff like that that I've gotten over the years. You know what's funny is I've you've probably heard it on the show. I've been watching a lot of WCW, and yep. I, I've seen Stan Hansen now where he had that big wad of tobacco and the tobacco juice just dripping down his chest. Oh yeah. Oh my god! And then he would spit it on the uh, announcers like Shivani and Missy Hyatt would get pelted with it. You're just like, oh my god, that's one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. Next to Rikishi putting his his ass in someone's face you know (laughs) that's true and you know i'll say this stan is probably one of the funnest guys i've ever talked to um i had a chance two years ago to actually interview him over the phone like this um for the podcast that i do and got to talk to him a little bit about his time in japan Mm -hmm. and i got a chance to ask him who if he had somebody in his time that he liked throwing that lariat at more than anybody else like is there somebody that he just reared back and just let loose on and he laughed and said well i'd have to say the japanese and i froze immediately i was like oh my god i'm gonna have to edit this like that's <laughs> terrible but then he went on to say it's because of their style the strong style kind of stuff they sold it like nobody's business they let him lay it in there so then it was okay but it still scared me a little bit <laughs> you had that moment of oh crap <laughs> yeah exactly wait did you actually meet him out and about too or did you just have him on the show I, I did get to meet him out and about. I had him just sign an 8x10. Um, I didn't have any. I wasn't into figure signing until um, until your guys' podcast that I found. And that's been about a year and a half ago now, maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was shortly before I got the Rich Swan signed. So, um, yeah, about two years ago I got the podcast. And that's when I was like, wow, I could get figure signed. That's cool. Jumped on that. So. so out of curiosity, are you still looking for a Rosie figure? Yeah, uh, I have been. I ended up getting the the two pack mint on card, which oh. is great. Um, but uh, uh, always, always looking for loose. I've got a little um, Hura shrine, I guess you could call it. I'm a huge Hurricane fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a reason that really drew me and kept me into wrestling when he was around. And uh, so I have some stuff, but I don't. Yeah, that's a, a loose Rosie. I do not have. A lot of people have been so excited about Hurricane's Elite figure that just came out. And maybe beca- yeah. maybe because I wasn't part of a community, I would read wrestling dirt sheets and stuff like that at the time. But I didn't feel like Hurricane had this huge following until I got into uh, paying attention to his figures. And a mm. lot of people love the Hurricane. I didn't realize how big he was. Like when you go to house shows or you go to WWE live events, you didn't see many Hurricane. Of course, there weren't that many T-shirts or anything like that. But sure. like the excitement for his figure has really been eye-opening. I guess you could say. I, I just I'm just shocked by it. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do when he came back at the 2019 Royal Rumble. I think that was a big part of it that introduced reintroduced him to so many people, and then on top of it, the new figure. I think it's just kind of revitalized. Um, him, his interest in him, which is awesome because I, I know Shane. Uh, I I don't. I shouldn't say that. I know I don't know Shane personally, but 
from everybody that I've talked to that does know him says nothing but the best for him. And, um, he's just, he's, that character is very toyetic and collectible. So I, I see it. So actually let's go back. You have met Barry at a, uh, independent show, haven't you? Yeah, actually I introduced him to the independent that, that I go to. Um, I found out after listening to doing the favor, after finding doing the favor through you guys again, mm-hmm. um, I, I found out that he lived in Wisconsin. So then I was like, well, wait a second. Wisconsin's not that far from me. And the independent that I go to is in Wisconsin. So I shot him a message and turns out he's about 45 minutes, an hour or so away from the show, invited him. And he's been to a couple of them, just two, two or three. And we've had a blast. I mean, going and enjoyed it a lot. And, um, if things were different, we'd still be going to him. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, did he get to meet any of the wrestlers or did he plop down some money for some wrestlers? Um, he didn't, uh, I, I don't know if he actually, cause it's so laid back there. They have, they have big names every now and then, mm-hmm. uh, that'll come through, but there wasn't anybody that necessarily to get signed at the time, uh, the times that he came. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I mean, just meeting the nice thing about this independent is it gets maybe a hundred to 200 people at most, mm-hmm. um, for a crowd. So everybody's very, it's low key. You can just walk up to people and talk to them. And, um, that's really cool. It makes it a lot of fun for not only the kids, but us as wrestling fans too. But, uh, yeah, I know Barry got a chance to talk to a few of them at least, especially we hung around after the show and guys had just come up to us and talked to us. A lot of them had been on my podcast before mm-hmm. and, you know, Barry would introduce himself and, you know, shoot the shit with him a little bit. <laughs> by the way, which uh, shirt are you wearing today, by the way? Uh, I am, and I'm going to pull back the curtain on the doing the favor, guys. I do not own any AEW shirts or merchandise. Um, that's not saying I'm not a fan. Let's I... put that out there. <laughs> I don't watch I don't watch AEW because I don't have, I don't have cable. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't have access to it. I could try and stream it illegally or whatnot, but... My time is taken up with other things and what what wrestling I watch I feel is enough. But their little spot there is always fun. But I am just wearing a actually I am I am wearing my jobbing with Josh shirt. So I'll promo that. There you go. Hey we <laughs> hey us podcasters got to be marks for ourselves, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so when did you start? What year did you start watching wrestling? Oh man. So my my experience into wrestling is weird. I didn't get into it as a kid. I didn't get into it as a youngin. Um, I was born in 1984, mm-hmm. so you know I'm I'm a year older than WrestleMania. I've got that, but <laughs> I didn't actually start watching wrestling until almost the year 2000. Um, my growing up, we never had cable, so I never got to see anything on TV. And then my local Fox affiliate started carrying SmackDown when it was on UPN. Yep. So then I got that. So that's. I got to see, you know, The Rock in his prime there and everything. And I've been kind of on and off ever since. I watched pretty good through like 04. And then the normal on and off, kind of here again, gone again kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And since 2014, since I moved back to Iowa and my uh, my divorce, uh, I've really been full-fledged back into it. Interesting. So you started really late. You didn't have like the morning shows or you didn't tune them in or anything like that? No, if it, if it was on my local affiliates, I had no idea. Um, I have memories of wrestling before I started watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I know on a school trip, school like overnight trip uh, at a hotel, 
I my buddies were watching the episode of ECW where uh, Terry Funk's in the ring and all the chairs start getting thrown into the ring. Yep. I remember that vividly. And then I had a, a kind of an experience or a run-in, if you will, with um, Randy Savage when I was like five, six years old at an airport. Um, what? And that's, that's, yeah, I know it's crazy. Um, so my, my family, I have family down in Phoenix, Arizona, and my grandparents would go down there every year to uh, winter down in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And one year we decided to go down there and visit them during the winter, during Christmas break. And we were at the Minneapolis St. Paul airport and I was pestering my mom at the time. And she gave me a quarter to go over to the arcades and play. And I went over and I played one of the wrestling machines. I had no idea what it was. I was just pushing buttons, watching the lights. That's really (laughs) all it was. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I had in the wrestling game selected Savage as the character probably the multiple multiple colors and that kind of thing and uh all of a sudden i was very aware of kind of a shadow over me and i turn around and look and there was savage and he was in full i mean it's like he stepped out of a slim jim commercial (laughs) he was in the bright colors the hat the glasses the whole nine yards and i just stared up at him he looked down at me looked back at the screen of the game i was playing patted me on the back a little bit and said good choice brother <laughs> and and walked off and I turned and looked and all these people around are taking pictures like of this guy and I have no idea and my my mom and dad kind of knew who he was but didn't think anything of it but yeah fun story to share that's for sure that is a very fun story little did you know that you would be collecting his wrestling figures like I don't know 20 something years later 30 something years later yeah absolutely yeah it's crazy <laughs> that's crazy so the kids at school that they, they didn't really play with figures or talk about it or anything like that not really that i know of i mean i was a i went to a pretty small school and um i was kind of full disclosure i was kind of the nerdy fat kid mm-hmm. um so i didn't have a whole slew of friends my really good friend that is still my my best friend to this day um eric him and i kind of fell into wrestling at the same time mm-hmm. um but i don't remember figures or anything until after i started watching it at all and even then the figures it was for a year or so and then i was out of it i i think i had like three figures and that was it so if you weren't watching wrestling what were you doing was it like mainly baseball football anything? yeah so i i was i was big into baseball as far as sports and i'm still a huge baseball nut um, but as far as like toys and cartoons and stuff like that, Ninja Turtles and the real Ghostbusters were my deal. Um, I had all sorts of those toys, mm-hmm. uh, oodles and oodles of them. Um, but that was really it. And then I got a little bit into like aliens and predator when that kind of those toys kind of came around again. But, mm-hmm. um, really it was mainly just turtles and, and ghostbusters. So you collected the, the old school playmate, teenage mutant Ninja turtles. You collected everything like that, right? Yeah. And everything is probably a good way of putting it. Um, my parents were kind of like, Oh yeah, here, have a toy, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And so, and I had grandparents who, who spoiled me rotten too. So I, I had a lot of stuff between Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles. So if there wasn't anything you could find in where you were living, when you would go visit your grandparents down in Arizona, that you would have a whole selection of new toys to choose from. 
You know, not necessarily because they actually just wintered down there. They did their summers up here in Iowa. So, um, and we would go down there maybe once every three, four years and it was just for like a week or so. Oh, okay. So it wasn't very often that we did that. Um, but no, they would, I mean, and I live in a rural community. I have one Walmart that's 20 minutes from me and I still, I still live where I grew up. Um, but, uh, and the closest next closest is like 45 minutes away. So it's definitely pretty slim pickings out here for figures. <laughs> so every, so you have to do a lot of uh, finger poke of doom, huh? A lot, yeah. I kind of with with wrestling with elites, it's been like every three or four series we'll get them in. That's about it. Do a lot of videos from inside your wrestling room. You have a lot of figures behind you. <laughs> Do you just get all those in uh, offline and everything? Yeah, online has been really really good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for sure. Uh, much to my wallet and probably my wife to an extent, her chagrin. But um, <laughs> they no, I'm just kidding. My wife's great. She supports it. Um, but yeah, I've done a lot of online stuff and a few people that I've met through the community. I want to give a quick shout out to Ref Larry Peace mm-hmm. uh, online. He's a huge friend of mine and helped me get into the game big time with a lot of trades and stuff. And you've also had him on your show. Yeah, I've, I've had him on the podcast. Absolutely. Wow, you did a little bit of homework here. I'm impressed. I know, I know, man. Don't <laughs> don't think I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had Larry on, um, which was great. I mean... Larry's a cool dude. He's done some independent refing, a lot of independent refing, I should say, out in the Pennsylvania area and big time into figures and collecting. So he just hooked me up not that long ago in a trade and hooked me up with two surprise hurricane autographs. So that was definitely cool. So outside of Stan Anson, who else have you had on your show that I'm, I'm not going to say have, maybe like from the old school or uh, may have some name notoriety? Yeah. Well, uh, not a whole lot. Stan was a big one. Um, here in Water or near me in Waterloo, Iowa, there's a, a National Wrestling Hall of Fame out here, mm-hmm. and they have a big deal every summer, and it's a whole weekend with the wrestling show, Hall of Fame inductions, the whole nine yards. You guys had Ryan Searney on quite a while back in in an audio, and he mentioned it too. Yep, because um, he's not that far from me. Correct. And um, that's kind of how I got Stan on. The podcast that I do is part of a network that was covering the Hall of Fame, and Stan was going to be there, so I got to interview him. The only other big name from the past that I got to talk to was Bruce Hart. How did that go? Um, It was interesting. Bruce, I, I love Bruce, don't get me wrong, and I know Bruce is kind of a polarizing character, especially now. Um, He, he rambled a lot. Mm-hmm. It's real funny story at one point he was telling a story and he was so in depth we lost connection and he didn't realize it for about five minutes Um, (laughs) but it was a lot of fun unfortunately what was nice is that was that was the year that um owen was being inducted into that particular hall of fame Mm -hmm. so bruce had a lot to say about it um it was really hard to steer him away from bashing wwe though oh okay so that was a challenge, but it was still awesome to talk to him. Did he did he tell any other stories, like maybe from the Hart House or anything like that? You know, there were some. He talked a lot about just kind of the mischief that him and the the, the brothers would get into. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked. He told all of the very common Owen rib stories, like the ribs that Owen would pull, oh, the ones okay. that everybody's heard. You know, calling Stu and pretending to be, um, oh, I forget the wrestler's name. 
But he pretended to be another wrestler that had beaten Stu and challenged Stu. Yeah. And just all this other fun stuff. Uh, the one where they prank called Ahmed. Yeah, he <laughs> told all those stories, which are, are pretty well known. But it was still really cool. Yeah, yeah. You got into wrestling in around 2000. Did you immediately start collecting figures? Or did you just slowly kind of pick up the pace a little bit from there? Um, Not collecting right away. After I got out of high school and kind of moved on on my own, I started collecting some, and then I, I shouldn't say some. I, I definitely ramped it up just like I have now. Um, but I started collecting, and I had, uh, you know, I was I was collecting in the time that Jax was around, mm-hmm. and the classic superstars. I had a slew of them, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of the unmatched Furies. I loved all of those. Um, I had a lot of this stuff and collected for quite a while, and then I moved out to South Dakota for school. Excuse me, just a minute here. Sorry. Oh, that's um, okay. But uh, I moved out there for school, and um, I met out there my now ex-wife, and continued collecting a little bit. My collection was kind of a um, an issue between her and I at times, unfortunately. And um, 2014, I came back here, so I was out in South Dakota for about eight years. Had a good collection. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of stopped when Mattel took over and that was largely just because I kind of backed out just for a while I had a, a sizable collection had gone back and gotten a lot of loose Hasbro's mm-hmm. and so then I came back to Iowa because one of my grandparents wasn't doing so well so I decided to come back for an entire summer like three months and my wife at the time decided to stay in South Dakota we had worked this out everything seemed fine um a month or two in to my time back here, um, I got a phone call with her saying that she was done and wanted a divorce. Um, long story short, all my stuff was still out there besides some clothes and important things that I had brought back here with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually through all that, I got um, information from her that she was going to have my stuff that I could get back from her. And I went and picked it up from, from her at the allotted time. And it amounted to two boxes of things and zero wrestling figures. Um, and I was irate, uh, upset, depressed, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, come to find out she had pawned them. Oh. Um, yeah, that sucked. I mean, I had I had a huge collection uh, at that time. So I really backed off for a while. And oh. then I want to say 2000, when did I find you guys? 2017, 2018, mm-hmm. somewhere in there, I found you guys, and I think it was 2018, about mid-year, and um, then I started getting back into it. So it was you guys who re- rekindled that in me uh, <laughs> after losing all that. Well, we're glad we can get you back into it, man. I'm sorry to hear about that first collection, man. Oh, that that just breaks my heart hearing that. She, I I hope she didn't get a lot of money for it. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of kind of where I've landed on it too at this point. Um, it it hurts, but it it is what it is. I've moved on, and um, here we are again. So yeah. So how's your Mattel collection? Is, are you just piling stuff up on that, or are you just yeah picking yeah, picking and choosing? Yep, yeah, kind of picking and choosing, but doing a lot of Mattel stuff, um, especially since they started the true FX, I mean that those scans have been absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. So I've really picked up since then. 
but I still do go back. I've got a a shelf of Remco's because I'm in AWA territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I have a lot of love for AWA and territory wrestling. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've gone back and picked up, you know, a few Unmatched Furies. I've picked up a few old Jacks stuff. We talked about the Hurricanes. I've got a handful of Hurricane figures, too. So I've gone back a little bit. Which Remco's do you have? Oh, goodness. Let's see. Let me look. Uh, they're above my desk, which is perfect. So I've got <laughs> a beautiful ring, a ring that's in great shape still. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I was so lucky to get that. Um but I've got my favorites out of the collection that I have are definitely uh, Baron Von Raschke and Stan Hansen. I've met both of those guys, mm-hmm. and that's really cool. But I've got the Freebirds. I've got the Lone Riders. Uh, obviously, the Road Warriors, Kurt Hennig. Um, Greg Gagne. I've got the Flair. Um, Rick Martel. Yeah, I've got a pretty pretty good selection on them. A lot of them are pretty rough, but that's just because I'm... I don't really care too much for them to be perfect. Have you ever thought about going back and collecting LJNs or Hasbros? So I had a good selection of Hasbros up until like a month or two ago. Uh-huh. Um, I had probably 30 or 40 of them. Mm-hmm. And I really stagnated because I just got to the point where a lot of the ones that I had left were fairly pricey. And I really wanted to focus my collecting on the Hurricane stuff and some of the more modern figures coming out and the Remco's. So I, I did the unthinkable and I sold off my Hasbro's, <laughs> um, which, you know, I, it kind of sucked, but I got a good, good amount for them. I feel. Mm-hmm. And I know the guy, the guy that got them had some as a kid, but decided to get back into them, came on some money and could buy them. So I felt good about that. And, um, but LJN's not so much. I mean, I don't have anything against them. Mm-hmm. I have I I have picked up a um, Iron Sheik and a Macho Man. They're both kind of beat up, but I like them just because I love the Iron Sheik and I love Macho Man. Mm-hmm. So I think those will probably be the only two LJNs in my collection. Um, just because, yeah, I, I don't know. They're cool. Don't get me wrong. I love the nos- the nostalgic feel of them because they're they are from the mid '80s, but it's just not my deal. Gotcha. I know uh, this gentleman I do another podcast with. It's on luchacentral.com. I do a Mm -hmm. show with him, and he's all about articulation. And I made a joke. I made a joke with him. I said, Oh, so you don't like the LJNs? He goes, Nope, not one bit. I was like, that makes sense. But he's the lead lead designer on Boss Fight Studios. And yeah, and one of the cool things about that is when they made their Penta and Phoenix figures, he wanted to do it where they could be able with enough articulation to do the sharpshooter. And if you look at a lot, if you look at a lot of the sharpshooters, they don't look right when people do their figure pose abilities or their, for their figure photographies, it doesn't look Mm -hmm. snug. It doesn't look like Bret Hart snug, if you know what I mean. And he said one of the things that they did is they wanted to make sure their points of articulation equaled out to to where they could do the sharpshooter. I thought that was amazing. It blew my mind. Yeah, that's that's really cool to have, you know, a design based on that much articulation. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. And he he was a lead designer. I still got to try to remember this it was either gi joe or star wars i can't remember mm-hmm. but when he worked at Has- i think it was star- i think it was star wars i remember the interview yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah it was star wars so 
I keep joking with Scott, him and Eric are just going to have a long t- chat next time we have them on because I'm going to just kick <laughs> back and I'm like, you guys go ahead and talk. I'm going to just kick back and relax. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so what's keeping your interest going right now? Is it WWE? Is it AEW? Is it the independence? What's keeping your interest now and keeping your love of wrestling going? Sure. So I'm, I've always been a, a WWE guy and that's just because that's all that's really been available to me. I came into it pretty late in the Monday Night Wars, so I didn't see a lot of WCW. Um, with the advent of the network, I've had the ability to go back and catch up on all sorts of great stuff. But um, really, I'm a WWE guy through and through, as much hate as that might get me online. <laughs> but um, I, watch, I, I watch NXT. I love NXT. When it was running, I was a big fan of NXT UK mm-hmm. and 205 Live. I love. Mm-hmm. So I definitely keep up with those independence it's kind of hit and miss um i try to i was big into mlw for a short period of time mm-hmm. um and that's kind of tapered off too i never really got into nwa and aew i just don't have cable so i can't catch that and that's not a knock on aew and that's not saying i don't like this stuff but i just you know it is what it is were you watching mlw when jacob fatu was heavyweight champion a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, when he took the belt, is about the time that I started kind of not watching so much. Oh, okay. Um, I definitely, I definitely picked back up a little bit because I've been, I've been kind of watching the Von Erichs, mm-hmm. um because I love the, the territory days and world class championship wrestling and the story of the Von Erichs is uh, incredible and sad all in one. Fascinating. So just kind of watching the the boys continue that legacy is fun. Yeah, but um, yeah, a little bit. I, and the main reason I really started watching was, um, they have a wrestler under contract that wrestles for them a little bit. I haven't seen him lately, but uh, by the name of Airwolf, he's a masked wrestler and uh, a lucha kind of guy. He's actually from Minneapolis, and I've met him. Super mm-hmm. cool dude, and he's like twenty years old, super young. The sky's the limit, and it's been fun watching him. Nice. I've heard his name a few times. I've never seen him wrestle, though, unfortunately. Say he's had a couple of matches on MLW with um, Ace Austin. Oh, and, okay. Uh, that's that's the kind of guy that you throw those two together in a ring, and they're gonna they're gonna kill it. So definitely fun to watch. You mentioned the territory days. You're you like reading up the history on those? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is another reason Barry and I get along so darn well. Um, <laughs> Barry hooked me up with some DVDs from his collection. And I say some because he gave me like probably four or 500 hours worth of stuff, um, which is awesome. I, I absolutely love the territories. And in fact, I'm going to a cheap plug here. Um, I've started and released a trailer for a podcast that I'm doing called reliving the territories. And it's going to be an in-depth dive on each individual territory chronologically so on and so forth. I've actually talked, Jeff, with you a little bit about it before um, because the first one I'm doing is the AWA. Mm-hmm. And I know you and Scott kind of saw some AWA in the 80s. Oh, yeah. And, of course, AWA would be remiss without talking about Remco's. <laughs> so definitely we'll be hitting you guys up in the future regarding that. But Yes, please. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Un- unfortunately, with, you know, with the way the world is right now and with how sick my wife and I have been just in the past week or so, I've kind of put it on the back burner a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, it's out there and it's, it's going to be fun. The, the, 
I already have an intro done by Big Underscore Bane, and it's killer, <laughs> so it's it's great. So are you going to be doing Portland, San Francisco? Um, you bet. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, you you name a territory, my goal is you name a territory, and I'm going to cover it eventually. Um, it's it's really daunting to be completely honest because I'm going to go crazy in depth with these, and um, really want to cover as much of it as I can. Um, but yeah, I, I want to hit everything, including as much as I can about Puerto Rico and even the Canadian territories if I can get the information. So I'm really going to try and go in depth here because I don't feel that the territories have a – there's a lot of history out there, but a lot of it's starting to go away. Mm-hmm. As we see these people unfortunately die off, we tend to lose a lot of that information. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a history nut, so – Combining history with wrestling, it just made sense. When you get into the San Francisco days, you're going to read up on a Japanese wrestler named Kenji Shibuya. Yep. And it's cool because Kenji actually used to come into my job uh, out here in Hayward, California. Oh, wow. He used to come in, and it would be funny, too, because he would come in, and then we would start out in the shipping area. We'd start talking to him. Then he would sit with us during lunch and just tell us so many stories of the San Francisco days about Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens and all that stuff. Then we would go back out into the shipping area and our boss could never get mad at us. And when I say us, it would be my supervisor, but our boss could never get mad at us because we were helping a customer. But he would get frustrated because we were spending so much time just BSing with Kenji because we wanted to hear all these stories about Stevens and Patterson and all the San Francisco days of them going up and down, you know, just kind of the coast and stuff like that. Sure. But our, our super, our, sorry, our boss would come in and he'd be like, uh, you guys were with that customer for a while. I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, next time he comes in, try to, you know, make it shorten it up a little bit. We we never did, dude. No, we never no, did. No. <laughs> because Kenji, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because Kenji would come in and he would. Ha- it seemed like he had a new story every single time. He go, "Hey guys, let's tell another story." And the next thing you know, it's like an hour and a half later. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome! I I love that. And you know the, uh, um, the the local independent that I go to, it's so great because it's it's run by a former pro wrestler, independent local wrestler. Um, but so many people have connections all over the place. So it's fun to hear stories. And, um, one of the guys that wrestles on there, he's from Milwaukee, but he's, he's been in the game for like 20, 25, maybe 30 years now, Mm -hmm. as far as wrestling goes. Mm -hmm. And he has wrestled a who's who of pros. Like, I mean, every big name that you can think of that's ever hit the Indies. Um, and so he tells some amazing stories. And on top of that, one of the wrestlers there actually grew up with, trained with, and is still friends with Shayna Baszler. Oh. Um, in fact, I believe she was in his wedding. Oh, um, whoa. Which is just awesome. Uh, he's a super cool dude. I don't want to say too much more about that because he, he doesn't want people blowing him up or anything. But mm-hmm. he's a super cool dude, and we've talked about her before and everything. And it's so fun to hear he trained, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu with her before her MMA days and then helped her get ready for pro wrestling. It, it's it's so fun. Those stories are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, another funny story I was thinking about is uh, one of my other friends. I talk to him every occasion, on occasion. 
his very first match ever was in a battle royal with the Young Bucks, but they were called Generation Me at the yeah they were called Generation Me at the time. They were still part of TNA under their moniker. Sure. And I looked at him and I go, "Hey man, you got hit with that super kick." He goes, "They made it look so good." It barely <laughs> grazed the hairs on my face, but they make it look so good and so smooth. He goes, it's amazing. He goes, those guys are yeah. so smooth. Poor guy got welts all over him in his very first <laughs> battle royal because they kind of, I don't want to say do an initiation, but they they were chopping him to till his chest was purple like meat, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. It was so cool hearing that. Um, but like he said, he goes, man, that boot just barely grazed the hairs on my face. And he goes, they make it look so good. They're so smooth in the ring. So I was like, that, that's so cool to hear that stuff, man. You know, but you know, it, it's funny you mentioned that just to go on another tangent here. But um, I had the opportunity to see a, a tournament at this Hall of Fame that I talked about before. And one of the matches that took place was Bob Holly, Hardcore Holly, mm-hmm. taking on Colt Cabana. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, Colt is amazing in and of himself. Bob Holly is still tremendous mm-hmm. and still lays stuff in there like nobody's business. And there was this great spot where Colt was, you know, telling him, come on, chop me, you know, give me a chop. And of course he does. And, and Colt sells it and everything. After the match, you know, Colt was at his merch table and went over and was talking to him a little bit. And he kept rubbing his chest, <laughs> kept rubbing his chest back and forth. I kept asking or I asked him finally, I'm like, are you okay? You know, you need something. He's like, yeah, I need to hit Bob Holly. That prick, that hurt. <laughs> Just, it, it's so funny, so great. <laughs> See, that's funny, dude. Is I love hearing those types of stories, like oh, Cor- yeah. Cornette and his stories. Whatever people think about him, you know, it is what it is, but the stories that Cornette has just back in those days, you could just sit and listen for hours on top of hours. You know, their stories with the rock and roll express and the midnight express. I love hearing those things. And, and that's part of the history that you're talking about. Like those were part of the territory days that went before NWA because they were in, um, Oh, Josh, help me out. They were in uh, Memphis. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh yeah. Yeah. They were in Memphis and they were feuding down there before they even took it to the NWA. And it, yeah. I, I love hearing the stories from Memphis. I love hearing the stories from NWA. I just, those are the types of stories that you could just sit around like a kid in a campfire, you know, and same thing with baseball. You mentioned you're a baseball met baseball yep. stories. Those things, those things live the test of time because you can just listen yep. to them over and over and over and tell one guy can tell one side of the story and another guy can tell the other side of the story or whatever it may be. That's why I love it. But just like this is a Chicago bulls documentary that's going on ESPN right now. I could sit back mm-hmm. and watch this thing over and over on repeat, like a little kid watching Ferris Bueller's day off or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. That's for sure. And you know, you, the stories and everything and, and gathering those stories is a large part of that. The reliving the territories podcast that I'm, that I'm working on. Um, you know, I have some ends to certain places to hopefully get some of the people that can tell those stories. And that's really my hope is to get uh, a comprehensive audio book, in a sense, of all these different territories together of those stories and the experiences within. So mm-hmm. and not just from the workers perspective, from the fans, too. So there's definitely a lot of different stuff that I'm that I, I'm gathering and that fits right in. 
Mm -hmm. It's funny about wrestling and baseball. Those stories seem to live up the test of time. Like you, you hear football stories, hockey, basketball, and you're like, okay, those are cool. Like I just talked about the Bulls one. It's cool. But there are so many stories regarding these two, well, sport and sport entertainment, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) you know, Yeah. for baseball, the stories just live on and same thing with wrestling. And that's what I love about these two things is just the history of them. They go back and tell the history of uh, random stories of something going on in the middle of a match or how they call had to call an audible or, you know, Harley Race yeah. used to tell a bunch of stories. That's what I love when Breaker's on. When Breaker's on, man, he tells gazillion Harley stories. And yep. literally, you're just, again, kid in a campfire. That's why we loved when we had Bill from LJ on on. I think wrestling and, and the reason that we gravitate with wrestling and baseball to that exact deal, and I think basketball to an extent is, there's such an ability for those characters or those uh, athletes and performers to make such an impact, a personal impact. Their characters actually and their personalities come through more so than in football or in hockey, where A, it's so fast-paced, and B, you're behind a, a mask. Yeah. So I think that that really stands out. Yep, 100%. So wrestling figure-wise, what are you looking for? Or what are you looking to collect now? Oh man! Uh, obviously, I'm I'm still looking anything Hurricane. That's okay. for sure. Um, I I've got a fairly good collection going, but there's there's always room for more. Um, and uh, I've gone back and started collecting um some starting lineups. When I was a kid, I was a big Chipper Jones fan. I remember <laughs> when he came into the league, and I followed his career. So I've really latched onto that, and um, have picked up a bunch of his starting lineups, and I'm working on that. But as far as wrestling goes, I mean, I'm I'm always looking for more um, AWA stuff. It doesn't have to be figures, just stuff in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some programs and stuff, but um, some of the newer series of elites that I've missed out on, like I never got the the Tommaso Champa from I think it was '67, '69, somewhere in there. Yeah, something like um, that. I give up on trying to remember yeah. those. <laughs> Yeah, I had a guy reach out to me today and was like, yeah, I've got 170 bucks. I'm like, ah, no, <laughs> Take I care. can't spend that. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, I've I've really kind of just been collecting a lot of people that I have enjoyed over the years or that I enjoy now. Um, mm-hmm. One that I that has eluded me a lot has been the um, OSFTM ECW, the Nova. Um, I've always been a big fan of Nova and Simon Dean. Mm-hmm. And so I need that Nova at some point, but just never pulled the trigger on it. But besides that, I'm, you know, whatever catches my eye is really where I'm at. So I'm not too, too set on any one, one particular grail grail piece, Mm -hmm. unless it's any of the, uh, the hurricane box sets that come with like a mask. Got one, but there's like three other ones out there. So. So are you were you upset when Hideo Nomo won the National League Rookie of the Year over Chipper Jones? Um, yes and no. I mean, I was, but Nomo was filthy. Um, and how could you not like that awesome delivery? Mm-hmm. I, it's just one of those things. But yes, I was bummed. <laughs> I, I was I was pretty bummed. So but I, I was okay with it. I mean, I think Chipper went on to have a a better career hall of famer for sure. So true, true. My buddy, he was a huge Atlanta Braves fan. He, he's a diehard Braves and angels fan and he loved Chipper Jones. And when they announced that Nomo won the national league rookie of the year, 
oh my god man he went off <laughs> he was he was so mad man but i still it's it's funny you mentioned chipper jones that's the first thing that pops into my head is him just expletive 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 <laughs> you know that type that's of that's awesome so yeah i i latched on to him pretty early on when he came into the league and just um carried it on from there um wasn't necessarily a huge braves fan i cheered for him because chipper was there but yeah well, Josh, we better get going, man. I hope you feel better. We're cons- <laughs> we're cons- we're concerned about you out here, man. <laughs> I I think we'll be okay. Okay. All right. We're worried about you, but uh, we also look forward to doing that AWA podcast with you. And we're gonna talk. We're probably gonna talk your ear off about Remco's. I can almost guarantee it. That's perfect. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> well, Josh, you have yourself a wonderful night. Yeah. You too, man. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right. Thanks. You too. Yep. I want to thank Kenny and Josh for coming on tonight. That was a lot of fun with those two. Kenny with his amazing zombie stories and the history podcast that Josh is about to start up. I'm looking forward to. So thank you to those two gentlemen. I hope everyone is staying safe out there. Please wear your mask. Hashtag fig life. Adios. Let's go! Jeff and Scott, the Tomb Brothers, busting out the ring. But we don't take it out the box, MOC. Happy toy hunting, we'll see you next week. We're the OGs of WFP. Fully poseable, thank you all for listening. It ain't no storyline, real life siblings. So everybody go and do your toy spotting. Hashtag Fig Life, adios from the Kings.